Hello and welcome to the 2019 F1 Strategy Report, powered by Heel Tread Motorsport Socks. Go to heeltread.com. My name's Michael Laminato, and this is Round 14, the Italian Grand Prix. Once again, Ferrari had the fastest car over a single lap, but a chaotic ending to qualifying meant the team failed to lock out the front row, with Charles Leclerc on pole, but Sebastian Vettel only fourth. Also for the second week in a row, Mercedes was the faster car in the race, but even with its 2-1 advantage, it couldn't outwit a determined Leclerc, who took Ferrari's first home win in nine years. So to discuss how Ferrari outwitted Mercedes, I'm joined by Luca Manacorda from FormulaPassion.it. Luca, how are you doing? Ciao, Michael. Hi, everybody. I'm fine, thanks. This is the the moment. Finally, we've been talking for a couple of years and Ferrari has never been able to get this done. Last year, I thought we would be talking about Ferrari winning the Italian Grand Prix and it didn't happen. But finally, in fairly unlikely circumstances, they managed to get it done this year and the crowd went wild. Yeah, it's a miracle. Finally, we can talk about a Ferrari <laughs> win after many years. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm happy for this because uh, finally we can talk about something different. (laughs) (laughs) It does feel like normally we have to talk about how they threw something away. But today, no. Uh, It seems like they almost did, though, after qualifying and even during the race when Sebastian Vettel spun. We will get to all of that. But I want to go back to the very start of this weekend because that's sort of where some of the pieces began to fall into place for Charles Leclerc. Let's actually start at the end of the Belgian Grand Prix because obviously Charles getting his first win was a big deal for him and for Ferrari. What was the mood like going into this race? We know this race is so much about emotion and that adds so much pressure to Ferrari. Knowing that Leclerc won, knowing that the car would be quick at Monza, was this the most pressure they've faced in recent times to win? Uh, yeah, of course, um, Ferrari came in Monza with all the, um, the car to, to beat. But, um, and we had a, a party in, uh, in the center of Milan on Wednesday uh, before the weekend where the, the team met the Tifosi. There was a huge, uh, uh, a lot of people that uh, came in Milan to, to give their passion to the Ferrari team. And everybody thought about this, that this could be a, a big help for the, um, for the team, especially for, uh, for Vettel, uh, because uh, they can uh, enjoy the passion of Tifosi and then transform this uh, in speed uh, in, the, in the race. Uh, unfortunately, this worked only for uh, Charles. <laughs> well, I, it's a question I'm going to ask maybe again at the end of the show because I think during this race, this was quite a big deal for Sebastian Vettel versus Charles Leclerc inside Ferrari. But what's been the feeling inside Ferrari, inside Italy more generally about Vettel versus Leclerc during this season because at the start of the year Sebastian Vettel was nominally number one we've talked a lot on on this podcast about how many times Ferrari has a little bit favored Vettel because he's the de facto number one driver but of course Leclerc got the first win for the team for this season last week in Belgium and and this week again obviously ended up winning has there been a little bit of a power shift do you think inside Ferrari over the last week that's maybe going a bit more towards Leclerc now yeah I think that uh, after these uh, two two races uh, something has changed uh, inside the Ferrari box uh, here in Italy um there's a lot of, um, of people that uh, think that Leclerc should be already the number one driver of the team. But uh, Vettel is, was still the, the first uh, driver of the team until uh, the, the summer break, as uh, we've seen also in Budapest. But now 
we have seen that uh, Leclerc uh, has, a, has something more in this moment, respect uh, Vectel, and maybe also the team uh, now has to to admit this. So maybe something will change in the, in the next uh, races. Yeah, already on uh, Saturday we saw that uh, they have a little preference for Leclerc because they they use Vettel for the slipstream before uh, Charles in the first attempt. So this was maybe was uh, the first uh, signal of the, the the change of the roads in the Ferrari team. The qualifying was particularly interesting this weekend. Uh, it always is at Monza because the battle f- to get this slipstream is always so difficult. It's so valuable at Monza, especially with Daniel Ricciardo suggested these new front wings. The slipstream can be worth up to 0.7 of a second, and that's enormous when the grid is relatively closely packed together. And as you said, that first run in Q3, Sebastian Vettel gave Charles Leclerc a toe. Not only Charles Leclerc, but he was at the the front of the entire pack, so everyone got a little bit of a toe. And as a result, Vettel was only fourth. And then we saw at the end, on the final runs of Q3, that almost nobody set a lap because they were all so busy trying to be last to start and they all wanted someone else's slipstream. Uh, Not so much considering the other cars because some of them ended up being scolded by the FIA for being a nuisance, essentially. Uh, But specifically with Ferrari, Sebastian seemed quite unhappy by the way Leclerc allowed himself to be caught up in that pack. And then Ferrari also seemed to to lay some blame on him as well. Do you think that was a little bit of a calculated gamble for Charles Leclerc to to not give Vettel the slipstream to make sure he, he started on pole position? Uh, yes, I, I think that uh, Charles uh, has been uh, a little bit clever in that situation. <laughs> and um, this thing, I, I think that is clear if we take a look at the onboard camera of the two drivers in that situation. Uh, we can see that uh, Sebastian, uh, after um, turn two, uh, has passed uh, Hulkenberg and Sainz, and uh, after him, uh, also Charles passed uh, both drivers. But then uh, um, Charles uh, gave back the position to Sainz. <laughs> this was the, the, the key of the, the of that moment, because uh, Sebastian... Uh, had to to let uh, science pass him too, so they they've lost the moment, the time to 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 complete the the, the the lap and for the pole position. It was an incredible scene, really, considering how much money and how many computers are calculating things like time and how long they have to go out for a lap. That all except two drivers. In the end, Leclerc did start a lap, but he didn't need to finish it because he was the only front runner who started. And Carlos Sainz also started a lap, but. Uh, it wasn't good enough to improve his time. He qualified seventh. Uh, to see them all miss the checkered flag was really something quite remarkable. It's something that the FIA is considering changing somehow, bringing in a rule to make sure it can't be done in that way because everyone was going so slowly that it, it potentially was quite dangerous. But the result was, for the race, that Charles Leclerc started from pole, but without Sebastian Vettel alongside him. Sebastian Vettel qualified fourth, the Mercedes drivers were in between them, and suddenly we had a two-to-one race for Mercedes. And considering the way that Belgium panned out, where Mercedes was the faster car in the race, this was kind of bad news. There was not very much expectation that Leclerc would be able to to fend both of them off. Uh, What was the mood going into the race like, considering that it seemed likely we were going to get another disappointment? Yeah, we we remember last year the races when... uh... 
we had a similar situation with uh, Raikkonen and in the end of the race uh, he lost uh, the victory because uh, uh, his tires uh, were totally destroyed especially the the, the back tires and um, so this year we have uh, so something different uh, the box uh, has managed the situation in the in the perfect way and uh, also Leclerc uh, has done everything in the in the perfect uh, way. It's really it's it's poignant to bring up the result last season when Kimi Raikkonen was outfoxed of the lead by both Mercedes drivers after Sebastian Vettel had, had that first lap crash. Things were indeed made worse for Ferrari on lap six when Sebastian Vettel did fundamentally the same thing. Spun the Ascari chicane, got himself a, a ten second stop go penalty. Uh, for then crashing into Lance Stroll as he rejoined. That meant he could play no role in this race as far as Charles Leclerc was concerned. There was no way for him to hold up the Mercedes driver after they, they pitted, for example, uh, or play some kind of other role with a, with a different strategy. Uh, before we get into exactly how Charles Leclerc managed to hold off the Mercedes, though, I do want to talk a bit about Sebastian Vettel because... It's been more than a year now since he last won a race. Uh, we've already talked about the, the potential power shift inside Ferrari, but about Sebastian Vettel specifically, what do you think has changed in him in the last year, given that he can't seem to to cope in these pressure moments? Do you think there was still anger from Saturday in qualifying playing on his mind? Or why is it that he seems to, at these key moments, end up facing in the wrong direction so often? Uh, I don't think that... Uh, he... It depends of uh, what happened in the in the qualifying, but it's uh, a situation that it's more uh, generic, and uh, we we can see that um, every time Sebastian is in in, in the battle, and the Sunday before the the span, uh, he was uh, near uh, Mercedes, near Bottas. So there's something in his mind that doesn't work right. Uh, unfortunately, now we have uh, too many cases for uh, for saying this. So I think that this is the the, the the sadly true now. Do you think this is going to ultimately make us reflect differently on his legacy in Formula One? Is he arrived at Ferrari with four world championships from Red Bull Racing and? Everyone assumed he was going to be the man that would be the next Ferrari champion. Maybe he still will be, we don't know. But at this point in time, you'd say that that's less likely than it used to be. And now we're starting to consider that, certainly compared to Hamilton, he's not quite as good. Certainly not in terms of wheel-to-wheel racing. And now his teammate seems to be beating him consistently. This was the seventh time in a row Leclerc qualified ahead of him, even if there was a little bit of a technicality in this one. Do you think we're going to start, by the end of this season and into next year, reassessing what we think about Sebastian Vettel as a racing driver? Yeah, I think so, because uh, after every mistake, uh, even more and more people start to to think about his career and, and think about that uh, his four uh, world championship and there's be a, a very, very big help uh, about Adrian Newey, as Alonso said in those year, years. So... In the, in the the consideration about uh, the, um, Sebastian and, uh, won't be the same in the future, I think. And for a lot of people, and especially here in Italy, we have uh, a lot of people that uh, 
still like uh, still remembering the years with Alonso even if uh, he didn't win a championship and now there's already uh, a lot of people that prefer uh, Leclerc to Sebastian so and this, mm. the last two years uh, were very negative for his uh, reputation it will be interesting to look back on this time whenever Sebastian Vettel retires uh, and see how that fits in we don't know that he won't win another championship but well, you'd have to say at this point in time, it seems less likely. Let's look at the race, though, and how Charles Leclerc had to fend off two Mercedes drivers without the assistance of Sebastian Vettel. Uh, he went into this race, he was spending the entire time, the entire 53 laps just about, uh, with one of the two Mercedes drivers right behind him. I think the gap uh, was never greater than around one and a half seconds, except at around the times of the pit stops, which really just goes to underline well, two things, really. A, that he was fending off pressure, and B, that the Mercedes car was the faster in race trim, as we've seen for two races in a row now, despite Ferrari being faster in a straight line. But Ferrari did actually have, and this is where we start to talk about that miracle aspect of this race, a secret weapon, a, a bit of secret knowledge up their sleeve, because they were one of only four teams to do any serious running on the hard tyre. And I guess this is because in Belgium, you know, Charles Leclerc towards the end of the race was running out of tyres and there was an active decision that they needed to do something different. Yeah, they. it's strange, but Akiol about the Ferrari strategy has been played by Vettel because after uh, he spawned, uh, he, he came back to the pit lane to change his tyres and uh, with uh, hard tyres, he, he gave a lot of uh, information to the, to the team uh, and I think that uh, has been a, a key factor for the for the strategy and for the race uh, of Ferrari. And uh, as we've seen from Mercedes, uh, uh, has tried uh, the, to put the medium tires, but uh, even if they have a car that uh, is very sweet, very good with the spirit, this uh, 2019 Pirelli, uh, we had some problems in the in the last laps. As we as Ferrari in the 2018 race, so this time uh, Ferrari has done everything in the right way, mm, which is incredible to say, considering some of the decisions we've had to talk about over the years. It was something that Mercedes, like you said, chose not to do, and in fact, they 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 couldn't in a way do it. They did have the hard tires available, but didn't do any practice running. As I said, they weren't one of the four teams in practice that used the hard tire, and they were also caught a little bit unexpected because. The, the key moment of this race was always going to be that first pit stop, wasn't it? Because in Belgium, the timing of that stop is what meant Hamilton couldn't catch Charles Leclerc. And we saw it again, didn't we? From lap 16, Mercedes mechanics in the pit lane, they were really trying to push Ferrari to stop early again. Yeah, yeah. But I think that Ferrari uh, knows that uh, they had uh, a little advantage on the single lap uh, to evitate the, the undercut. So they've been not scared when the, the Mercedes mechanics uh, went uh, on the pit lane. And we saw in the end that Mercedes, uh, were unable to trick Ferrari into stopping earlier than they wanted, they ended up pulling that undercut. Like you said, uh, Ferrari responded one lap later. Hamilton stopped on lap 19 for mediums, Leclerc on lap 20 for hards. Uh, it was a little bit of a quicker in-lap, a quicker pit stop as well, something Ferrari's been doing quite well in the last two races, uh, and that's helped them out enormously to score those two wins. <laughs> But it was still a little bit of a risk, wasn't it? Because the hard tyre, while it lasted longer, and on the Ferrari car, practice suggested was pretty much the same as the medium tyre in terms of pace. 
as well as Sebastian Vettel suggested that as well when he switched to them on lap six. The warm-up became a little bit of a factor, didn't it? We saw early in that stint that Hamilton was able to really push him. Yeah, uh, one key factor could be the the top speed uh, because uh, maybe also this thing uh, had given a little of a confidence to Ferrari because uh, even if uh, Hamilton passed uh, Leclerc, they they could hope in uh, an overtake thanks to the the top speed of the the Ferraris of this year. So this would be uh, a key. And it all came down fundamentally to Leclerc being able to keep it tidy, really, keep it clean out of the very few key braking zones and Parabolica as well, because a good exit through there meant that Hamilton wasn't able to try and move on the brakes into the first chicane. Uh, But we did see how close a margin it was, didn't we? There were a couple of times where... Hamilton got close. Of course, there was then that famous uh, push, let's say, if we can call it that, or Leclerc running Hamilton off the road into the second chicane. This has become pretty controversial, hasn't it? Because if you're a Mercedes fan, if you're a Lewis Hamilton fan, this was the moment maybe that he should have been able to pass Leclerc. Leclerc was shown a black and white flag. What was your take on that move? Yeah, that was a a very, very hot moment. And... um... I don't know if the truth is what uh, Toto Wolf uh, said after the race. So the often the, the steward uh, didn't uh, want to to have a replay of Canada um, because this could uh, be dangerous <laughs> for them from Formula One <laughs> <laughs> because the race was uh, in Italy. We know that um, stewards uh, steward have changed the the rules, the the way that they, they judged these uh, episodes after uh, that race. And uh, I think uh, they've, they've taken the, the right uh, choose in this, uh, in this case because it, it was at the limit. But if we want to see a race uh, and, and drivers uh, fight each other, um, this is um, the good way, the right way to, to judge this uh, situation. And it was quite clever from Leclerc as well, because if we want to talk about the personal tactics, the personal strategy of this race, after on Saturday, you know, he'd made a, a, a calculated decision to ignore, essentially, team orders to, to tow Sebastian Vettel in Q3. Here again, he was making a calculated decision, knowing that he would, at worst, probably, get the the black and white flag, which was a warning, essentially like a yellow card. That's the analogy they're using, like a yellow card in football. Uh, And then, you know, he's used that up. He won't have to, he won't be able to do it a second time, but he knew that he had one opportunity to, to get his elbows out a little bit. And I do think it was interesting that he says, ever since he lost the Austrian Grand Prix, where he was bumped off the track by Verstappen and Verstappen wasn't penalized for it, that he's been more aggressive as well. Uh, this is something I guess we're going to see more of because drivers are, are learning that there's a little bit more allowance now to, to be a bit more aggressive. Yeah, yeah, we can remember uh, uh, Charles in uh, Silverstone when uh, he, he gave back to Verstappen uh, this, the same uh, move that uh, we have shown in Austria. Since that race, uh, something has changed in uh, in Formula One and in uh, Leclerc mind, I think. So now he's a more uh, bad driver because uh, he used more. <laughs> this, uh, <laughs> we we saw the, in Italy. We say that he has the, the, um, the eyes of an angel. <laughs> But uh, he has—he's a little devil inside. So that helped him to to obviously fend off one of the strongest moves by Lewis Hamilton. There was another flashpoint as they came out of the first chicane later on in the race, where 
Hamilton accused him of blocking dangerously, but nothing was uh, investigated further from that. And eventually we saw by uh, around lap 40, 43 it ended up being, uh, that he defeated Hamilton, essentially. The hard tyres were standing up better than the mediums. Hamilton's tyres were finished. And then suddenly Valtteri Bottas came into play. The driver who'd, to be fair to him, been hanging right behind Hamilton for almost all of the race, except for between uh, the first pit stops between the two drivers. Hamilton's on lap 19 and Bottas on lap 27. It was a deliberate strategy from Mercedes to give Bottas an offset. They felt it was the only other strategy they had uh, in their pocket to play. They'd hoped, though, that when he came to put pressure on Leclerc, Hamilton would already be in the lead. Instead, he passed Hamilton for second place and then had 10 laps to use those tyres, fresher tyres, to try and pressure Leclerc again. I mean, at that point, it seemed like maybe we were going to be on for the same kind of finish we got in Belgium, but with those fresher tyres that Bottas had, it might be enough. He got close, though, I guess, but the fact that he kept locking up, it really showed that that top speed advantage that he was trying to negate by getting a really good exit from from the chicanes and from Parabolica was just too much for Mercedes. I think that in that situation, we have seen the, the difference between, the difference between uh, Hamilton and uh, Bottas. Bottas uh, had an, an advantage um, by the fresh tires, but uh, he couldn't uh, do an, 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 a real attack to Leclerc. Instead, that uh, Lewis uh, has been always uh, uh, behind Charles uh, until his tires uh, were good. So this is the the typical situation when where we we saw the difference between a, a five-time world champion like uh, Lewis and a good driver like Valtteri. And so after those 10 laps expired, uh, Charles Leclerc was free to take that checkered flag from Bottas, who finished second, and Lewis Hamilton third with the fastest lap after stopping for new soft tyres, a pretty standard strategy we see in every race now. Whoever's last in the front runner's gets to, to try for the fastest lap. Uh, let's have a little bit look down the rest of the field because there are a couple of interesting moments in this Grand Prix. Uh, the virtual safety cars, we had two of them, unfortunately, both for drivers who were in the points in the top 10. Carlos Sainz was one and Daniel Kvyat was another. Sainz for a loose wheel, Kvyat for, for an engine problem, an oil pressure problem. But this had some decisive impact on the race. For two, well, for one driver in particular, let's start with Sergio Perez. Uh, because he was recovering right from the back, was running the contra strategy, starting on the medium, ending on the soft. And we saw how valuable that VSC can be at somewhere like Monza, where the the, the pit straight is so fast. Uh, he was able to jump a bunch of positions, ended up recovering into the points, one of the most impressive drivers of this weekend. Yeah, this, uh, this is a uh, real, and uh, um, Lando, Lando Norris uh, talked about this, and he said that uh, he was... Uh, in battle with uh, Perez uh, before the virtual safety car. And then, uh, thanks to this, uh, Sergio uh, go to fight to free position uh, half till the seventh final position. So the, the virtual safety car for him has played a key role. And it, of course, could have played a similar role for Pierre Gasly, who was on the same strategy starting further back as well. 
were he not impacted by the Vettel crash on lap six, he ended up being almost hit by Lance Stroll as Stroll tried to rejoin the track after being hit by Sebastian Vettel. Uh, it was a surprisingly good race for Toro Rosso, actually, for their home race. Uh, other than the fact, of course, Kvyat didn't finish, but he was high in the points as well. Uh, he was on a similar strategy, stopping on lap 28 for Carlos Sainz's virtual safety car. Uh, this could have been a, a big result for a lot of midfield teams we don't normally see scoring points. Uh, and it just shows how critical it is to even at a race like the Italian Grand Prix, we don't get very many safety cars or anything like that, but to, to be able to wait uh, and hope for a window to open, it can pay massive dividends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in Monza, for these reasons, it's good to wait when if your race is... Uh, a little bit complicated because it could be uh, a jolly for you for your uh, res- final results. I'm not a fan of virtual safety car, uh, but uh, even with uh, with this uh, with it, uh, we can show that uh, some driver uh, could uh, recover a lot of seconds and uh, change uh, his final results. One driver uh, who actually missed the virtual safety car moment but still made massive impact, and of course we should expect him to, is Max Verstappen. He was arguably, well, maybe let's say second driver of the day after Charles Leclerc, considering what Leclerc had to to deal with to to win this race. But Verstappen crashed on the first lap, had to pit at the end of the first lap, was uh, 26 seconds behind the last car after that pit stop. Went to the soft tyre, ran to lap 27, so one lap before the virtual safety car for Carlos Sainz, then went to the medium. Recovered all the way from 26 seconds off the pack to finish in the points just behind Sergio Perez. And Perez was only just behind Verstappen's teammate Alex Albon. I mean, it shows a couple of things, doesn't it? It shows that the Red Bull car is actually not that bad at Monza, where it sometimes has been. And it also shows how powerful that Honda engine has become to allow him to recover on actually a pretty normal average strategy. Yeah, I think that um, in, also in Belgium, in Belgium and in Italy, we we have seen that uh, Honda engine, um, Honda engine is now reached a high level of performance, and um, we can uh, we can see this uh, taking a look to Toro Rosso. Uh, Toro Rosso was very very fast in the straights, even. Uh, in, in Italy, also in Belgium, and uh, in, the difference between the the past years uh, is that uh, in Monza this year uh, Red Bull uh, could uh, could uh, done a, a nice race race and probably Verstappen with a regular race could play a role in the in the battle for the for the podium and probably for the victory because in the end, the, the first three positions until the stop of Hamilton were very, very similar. Very Red Bull chose to to, to change, uh, to, to go in the penalization in Monza for uh, clear reasons. But uh, it could be a, a good chance uh, for Max to, to take uh, a victory in a, in a, in a new track where uh, it was unexpected. Uh, Honda this year has done a lot of uh, big step forward. And now they are almost uh, at the same level of the Mercedes uh, engine. Finally, to, to wrap this up, uh, I want to end with some team radio from Mattia Bonotto to, to Charles Leclerc at the, at the end of this race. We talked about at the start of this podcast how 
He'd been a little bit cheeky in qualifying uh, by not giving Sebastian Vettel the slipstream for his final lap in Q3, maybe robbed Vettel of pole. It certainly meant that Ferrari had one hand tied behind its back in the race because it had only one driver against Mercedes, two drivers. Uh, but on radio at the end, oggi sei perdonato, today you're forgiven. Uh, how much do you think that'll be playing on Charles Leclerc's mind and then Sebastian Vettel's mind as well for the rest of this season? <laughs> this message was um, strange because Binotto uh, knows that uh, everybody listened to this message, not only his drivers. And uh, probably, yes, it has a, a secret meaning for Sebastian and also for, for Charles. Maybe to say to that, the, the team came first in Ferrari. So they have to, to respect the decisions. And uh, in, also in, uh, in other races, Binotto said that uh, the team came first, respecting the drivers. So probably it was a, a, a way, in, a way to, to say again this, this thing to his driver, but uh, in a way that uh, everybody... The listen. It was an interesting ending to a race, and I'm so happy that finally we've been able to talk about Ferrari doing something right at the Italian Grand Prix. It's nice to to reach this point, to see a popular victory, and quite a meaningful one, I think, as well for Ferrari going into the into the future races of this season and probably next season, I think. Uh, and Luca, a pleasure as always to have you on this podcast. Thank you, Michael. It's uh, always a pleasure for me. That was Luca Manacorda from FormulaPassion.it. The Strategy Report is powered by Heeltread Motorsport Socks. Go to Heeltread.com and check out their range of designs inspired by iconic cars. If you want more Strategy Report, you can get every episode by subscribing on Google and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on your favorite podcast app, plus all of your socials. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you could give us a rating and a review to help other F1 fans find the show. The Strategy Report is a B-Mogul podcast, and if you're looking for an alternative take on the Italian Grand Prix, have a search for Box of Neutrals in your podcast app of choice for a discussion of whether Sebastian Vettel or the F1 TV director had a worse race at Monza. My name's Michael Laminato. Look me up at Michael Laminato on Twitter, and I'll catch you in two weeks' time for the Singapore Grand Prix.